Jimmy Murray here with Frank Padalano, and we are the Cashflow Kings. The Cashflow Kings podcast discusses money, finance, mindset, and investing with an emphasis on cash flowing real estate. Thanks for joining the Cashflow Kings, and welcome to podcast episode 15, Other People's Time. I'm Frank Padalano, and I'm here with Jimmy Murray to help you crush your goals in real estate. Yeah, so this one, not to get confused with our previous episode on other people's money, but we're going to tiptoe on the line here, not trying to sound uh, too pretentious, but at certain points in your real estate investing career, you're going to have to look to seek to leverage other people's time in the sense of leveraging their skills where they're probably better suited to handle things than you are. You want to try to focus on doing the things where you can create the most value. And for some folks, that may be different areas. So with other people's time, I'm actually pretty excited about this podcast because especially those of you that are just starting out and you have a full-time job, you are going to use other people's time every day, okay? You're using other people's money by getting a mortgage or, or doing something else, but using other people's time too because you will not be able to handle everything yourself if you want to be successful in real estate. Yeah, it's absolutely true. And I mean, one one of the first themes that I'll jump into is Frank now leverages my time and, and my company's time, right? So um, at the beginning of the year, Frank decided that he was going to become a full-time real estate investor and recognized that property management is probably not where his time was best suited. And I'm okay with that because that provides an opportunity for all the folks that I get to work with on a day-to-day basis. And, and now we can provide more value and some, some nicer units that Frank manages. So it, it all the, you know, it's all about stages and cycles. So you gotta realize where your time is best suited and then try to go from there. So just to pause, I'm not managing them. I'm controlling them. You're now managing you're, them. Right, right. <laughs> so now our team, is, our team at Lion Property Management is managing a majority of Frank's units. And that allows him more time to go out and scrub deals. Absolutely. Uh, focus on what you're, uh, what you're really good at and or what you're passionate about and you want to get better at. So, for example, when I first started, um, when I bought that first three family, I got to be honest with you. Could I lift a hammer? Yes. Did I want to spend the time lifting a hammer? No. Um, this is the opposite of like when Jimmy talked about in a different episode uh, house hacking where he was out there like changing a roof on a garage or some other thing that he was always doing you can go that way but if you leverage other people's time efficiently uh, you can do well without having to do the work yourself so yeah. so when I started I had a ton of time very little money so I put in my time but honestly my dad was or still is a, a master carpenter he's retired now but I leveraged his time in the beginning Right, so he was with me every weekend as I'm, um, you know, house hacking and turning over the units at my multifamily in Pawtucket. Um, but now I've gotten to the point where, I, honestly, I enjoy handyman work, right? But my main, our our maintenance team at Lion is phenomenal at what they do, and they're way better at it than I am. They're they're, and honestly, they come up with better ideas too most of the time. Ooh, I'm writing that down. Yeah, yeah, I know. No. Um, they they are worth their weight in gold. Like those guys, those guys take care of our tenants every single day. And honestly, they're much better suited to go out and swap a toilet or a vanity or do whatever they have to do in a property to provide the right experience for a tenant. 
and they're much better suited at it than I am. So this reminds me of, uh, I think it's in Rich Dad, Poor Dad, but it's in one of Robert Kiyosaki's books when he bought that condo. He bought that condo on a different island. And uh, there was a time when the garbage disposal wasn't working. So what did he do? He took the day out of work. He had to fly to the island. And then he had to try to fix the garbage disposal. And then he, I guess he couldn't figure out how to fix it the right way. Yep. So in the end, he ended up paying somebody to take care of it. And it was cheaper. And uh, it cost him almost no time. And it got done. And even the guy said, he said, you should have had me do it. Right. Right. So, and then I'm going to circle back on hiring a property manager. And I recognize that I may have some jaded lenses on or some rose-colored glasses here. But I think this is where most real estate investors get stuck. They want to get stuck in the weeds of micromanaging their manager. Or they want to get stuck in the weeds and not hire a manager. When honestly, most, like, there, there's a huge economies of scale in hiring a property manager because it's absolutely going to help you refine your systems. Right, so um, you definitely want to search and hire the right one. But I'm going to be honest: most real estate investors, if you have, you know, a, a fairly lucrative nine to five, like you're you're not making your money if you're managing property, honestly. So go to go with that. Uh, one thing, uh, Jimmy doesn't manage uh, most of my portfolio. He because he doesn't know about most of my portfolio. Actually, <laughs> here we go. Here we go. Uh, I actually use about five different property managers, and uh, each one has different skills. And uh, they're not competing on the same properties. But uh, over time, what I'll do is if I think one of them has really good systems and is really doing a good job, I will give them more properties. And if uh, someone is not doing as well of a job, I am more likely to sell off some of those properties. Right. You know, so, but systems is a word that Jimmy said that is super important here. Um, In order to effectively use other people's time, especially as we go into some of this, systems is what you have to have in place, okay? Can you do all the work yourself? You might be able to, but if you really want to grow and become successful, you have to use other people's time. Right. So here's here's another really good point too, because Frank owns another company called Real Agent Helper, and that's leveraging other folks' times via a virtual assistant. So a lot of investors, realtors, you name it, get caught in the weeds. You know, doing a bunch of maybe repetitive tasks, whether it be some marketing tasks or some accounting tasks that you can very easily hire a virtual assistant and you get some better leverage on your own time while providing a lucrative opportunity for someone, I think most of Frank's VAs are hired out of the Philippines. Yeah, so uh, realagenthelper.com. And uh, what we basically do is we have people who are, all they do is social media for certain businesses, some of them. Other ones, all they do is uh, whenever you have an agent that has a lot of closings going on, they're kind of like the person who does all the uh, checklists for the closings, make sure this form is in and this paperwork's in and double check whether they're on the closing dates. Yep, so a transaction coordinator. Yep, or another person uh, that uses one of our VAs, all they do is they uh, handle all the maintenance requests, all the phone calls and set up scheduling so the tenants know when uh, different uh, maintenance people or contractors are going to be around. Yep, yep. You know, so that that's another great way to... To leverage essentially um, a human asset um, at a lower rate than what you could typically get around here. Well, so if, let's think about other people's time for a second. Every business that you know uses other people's time, and they do it through employees. Right. Okay. Every single business, whether it's Walmart or it's a gas station, I, I can't think of one that doesn't use it, is using other people's time. They are paying someone. 
to work, provide a service, do something, and they get paid for it. Now, obviously, if they're getting paid for it, they're probably not making as much as the company's making, or the company's going to go out of business. Right. You know, I have people all the time say, I don't make enough money. It's like, well, you're right. You don't make enough money. But if a business paid you what you were fully worth, they wouldn't make any money off you either, and they wouldn't make a profit enough to even be in business. Right. You know, but you really have to think about it. Every business has figured out a way to use other people's time well. You guys need to figure out how to use other people's time well as, as well. Right. And, and, you know, we're kind of tiptoeing on the line here, but um, it, this, this goes back to the age-old debate between uh, economies of scale and economies of scope, right? So economies of scale, if there is something that you're not as well versed at, you need to, you need to find someone who is more versed in that area so you can leverage the skills that they've developed um, because they're going to provide that service to you. So some people don't want to use real estate agents, but I think that uh, real estate agents is a good use of other people's time. I think that you are shooting yourself in the freaking foot if you are not using a realtor, legitimately. If you're if you're just walking into the showings and letting that agent double end a deal, there is no way that they can have your best interest and the seller's best interest at heart at the same time. It's not going to work to your benefit. No, let's pause right there. We're not talking about somebody that's just going to send you MLS and that you only have to, and you're not doing any off-market leads or anything like that. We're talking about just specifically, you should be using a real estate agent for normal MLS stuff because even in the worst markets, you can still find a needle in a haystack. Yeah, yeah, okay? absolutely. I had people in the last two weeks tell me about deals that they've still found on MLS. It's few and far between. And it's probably something that's out on the market more than five months or it had a BOM back on market tag. And these are some of the things that early investors are going to look past. But this is probably where you can find the sellers um, who are more motivated to sell in this type of market. And let's not sell the agents short either. Now, there are good agents and there are bad agents, but the best agents are out there actively pursuing stuff all the time. And if you're well-connected enough, you become one of their first phone calls. Yeah, and you're going to get that deal before it even hits MLS. Absolutely. It happens all the time. Uh, for example, somebody that Jimmy Murray knows, I won't mention his name, um, had a three-family in West Warwick that uh, they were... Uh, they could have listed, but instead they were going to wholesale it, and uh, I was one of the first calls. Yep. Um, I was actually the second call, and the first call ended up picking it up. But it was nice to be the second call because, uh, you know what, sometime that first person is going to say no, and I'll be able to pick it up. Right. Yeah, so being available, but you're right, leveraging the other person's time where they put in the time to find the deal, <clears throat> and that's where you're going you're gonna to get leverage there. So, let's, so going with finding the deal, since you mentioned that one, I'm going to bring up wholesalers. I have no problem paying wholesalers. I'm, at, I'm with you 100%. But there are good wholesalers and bad wholesalers. There are a whole <laughs> lot of bad wholesalers. So I don't mind paying three, five, ten thousand dollars $10,000 on an average deal if it's a deal. You know what? At the end of the day, if you pay the wholesaler 40000 but your margins are still there, absolutely, you're fine. Yeah, fine. I'll, I'll pay a wholesale of $40,000 if they're bringing me a, uh, a $2 million deal for a million bucks. I'm not even going to put a dollar amount <laughs> on it. But hey, listen, if the margins are there, where at the end of the day, the investor is making the return that they seek to make, whether you use the 70% rule or you want to use some type of 80% Burr method where you have zero cash into the multifamily at the end of the day, 
as long as the wholesaler presents that deal to you in a way that you're going to make the amount of money that you're willing to make on a deal, I don't care if I pay them 100000 No, and I agree too. Uh, the problem that I have with some wholesalers, especially newbies, is that they'll take something off of MLS. They'll pay, <laughs> they'll, sometimes they'll even put it under contract at full price oh. and then try to shop it around with a $5,000 cut for them. You guys can't see it, but my eyes just rolled out of the back of my head because so... I, I mean, like... That's going, not, going that's, back to the house hacking <laughs> podcast, like a lot of folks feel that they have to get started by wholesaling. But honestly, you could really kill your street cred getting started wholesaling if, if you're not, you know, putting in the work. Because that's my first question to a lot of newbie wholesalers is, is it on MLS? Well, yeah, but my, I don't, I don't know. I'm not going to, I was going to go down one <laughs> route. We'll leave that one alone. Um, but yeah, so this is, but this is using other people's time. If you have great wholesalers, which uh, you and I both know a few great wholesalers, yeah, I can't set up the system that they've already built and have the experience and even the knowledge. I mean, I have some of it, but I'm not going to put in the work to keep it up like right. they are. I'd rather just pay them and make it happen. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. I agree. So let's see. So we talked about real estate agents, wholesalers, virtual assistants, property managers. Can you think of anybody else that we might use? Accountants. All right, go ahead. Talk about that. Yeah. So a lot. <laughs> I can remember that my wife was extremely frustrated with how much our accountant costs. But there is a price to having a good accountant, particularly one that owns 75 units outright. When I met him in the very beginning of my real estate journey, and there is a tremendous amount of value to that, but he has put in the time to earn that value, and that's what he brought to my tax return. So even though his cost was higher, he's gonna be able to share a lot of strategies with me that other accountants may not know about. So that's leveraging his time that he's put into his craft in order to get a better return on my real estate portfolio. So let's go into this a little more. I know some full-time real estate investors that spend a lot of time every year doing their own tax return. Right, I would I would say if, that, if you have an accounting background and that's where you think that your time is best spent, you can get after it. But all right, so I'm gonna go back, I'm gonna go to the Pareto principle. I think it's the Pareto principle, the 80-20 rule. I got it. Right, so, to some, and this is, this is like coming from my corporate days too, where there was like a gap focus, right? But 80% of the value is probably gonna take you 20% of the time. That extra 20% of value that's gonna take you 80% of the time, there's some type of law of diminishing return where you're spending 80% of that time to get that, squeeze that 20%. Now, if you have the time to do so, worth it. But there's gonna be that diminishing return the more time that you spend on it, right? So some investors may find it valuable, other investors may not find it valuable. And it, from my perspective, it's going to be more worthwhile to pay the account more money because they've gone through this and hopefully they produce tax returns for other real estate investors. Now, maybe they can coach you on finding the right bookkeeper so it's set up so it's cheaper when you get to the accountant. But again, you're, you're hoping to trade the bookkeeper's time to put you in a better position. So you mean spending 600 hours preparing your taxes is probably a bad idea, right? For yeah, the, I, would take, average investor. I would take ice picks and stab my eyes out. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I have, let's see, I think I have three accounts right now. See, we have some partnerships, so it's yeah. kind of tough. But um, my own personal account between myself and maybe about three or four LLCs and 
maybe one or two Rhode Island partners, general partnerships. I think I paid him about $4,000 last year. And I got to be honest with you, I consider that to be a good value. Right. Yeah. I would say based on the size of your portfolio, I think that 4000 is a great value. Yeah. I mean, some people flip out because they're regular W-2 employees and that's the only thing they have. And it might not be worth to have an accountant if you only have one or two bank accounts, one or two jobs, maybe a house, maybe not, and that's it. I agree with that. So if, honestly, if you have straight W-2 income, like go to TurboTax, you're fine. TurboTax is going to be able to coach you to get the, because it, it's basic blocking and tackling, simple math, and you're going to be okay. But in, in the event that you own income producing assets, like an account, you definitely want to trade that account this time for value for yourself. So uh, another one I always like to talk about is uh, contractors. So yep. contractors, in my opinion, are worth their weight in gold. Uh, my best contractors over the years, I've, I've dealt basically with three main contractors. So are you okay paying a general contracting fee on top of other vendors? So call it 15 to 20%. I wouldn't say I'm necessarily a fan of it, but most of the general contractors that I was working with were doing a lot of their own work. Fair enough. But I know what you're saying. So I'm talking about like the trades underneath them for like the plumbers, carpenters, or plumbers, electricians, those those types of folks. So like like we're saying, there's a cost to everything. So do I mind paying? I, sometimes I might flinch a little bit, but it's still a better value than than me doing it myself a lot of the time. Yeah, I'm with. Well, I guess a little jaded because uh, my partner over at Lion is a registered general contractor, so I, I understand it, but. There is value into the vendors that they're going to already have access to. So that 15% is going to be made up in spades based on the vendors that they've already worked with on multiple other projects and vendors that are going to uphold their end of the deal because I'm going to tell you, finding the right um, subcontractors takes a tremendous amount of time. And when you find that general contractor that has the right subs, it's going to be, it's going to, it's going to be invaluable in my mind. Like I said, if, you, if you're working up a storm, like two years ago, I was, uh, let's see, I had a full-time job, I had a part-time job, I was a scout leader, I was uh, coaching a team. Um, yeah, so GCing a project. Is I'm not, not GCing a project, no, you know, no. so what, why reduce? Do you have the network to that you could bring the right subs? I might have, but I, I, had the, I had the right general contractors, I wasn't worried about it, and I still right. made money. So, so one of the things using other people's time and other people's money is always being able to, um, as long as you're making a profit, I don't care as much, you know? Right. Again, as long as you're producing the numbers where they need to be, you're the, as an investor, you're finding the value. Yeah. So there's a guy I'm following on Instagram right now. I won't mention his name because we didn't ask ahead of time, but <laughs> he's doing like uh, seven, I mean, he's a full-time real estate investor. He has a lot of followers and he's doing like seven different rehabs at once right now. Yeah, and uh, he's still finding deals. He's doing wholesales. He's doing a bunch of things, and I'm I'm impressed. He's and it all depends on like where you want to spend your time, right? So at one point, maybe he maybe leverages someone else's time in, in one of those avenues, but at this point, he finds value in all of them. Well, the the guy that we have doing the uh, single family over here, yeah, he's a great general contractor. So. Uh, Props to you guys for finding them. Yep, absolutely. We're not going to give him a shout out, but you know who you are. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely not. Jeez, he's busy enough. All right, so let's see another one. Mortgage brokers. So let's talk about the difference between um, this. Let's talk about the difference between someone who works at a bank and does mortgages versus a mortgage broker. Yeah, roll with it. Okay, so 
if you go to the average bank, and I have people that do this all the time, when you go in there, when you fill out your docs, your loans, stuff like that, you're only getting one person to actually look at that, or one bank. But if you go to a mortgage broker, that broker might have 10 different loan, 10 different banks that they can shop that around to, or they know off the top of their head that they think you might have a shot with. Right, so origination fees might be a little bit higher, but you probably have a higher probability of getting financed unless you have an established relationship with that bank. Absolutely. So this, that's just another example though of using other people's time. Because right. instead of you going to four different banks that I've seen people do, if you go to one mortgage broker, they will show you two or three of the best deals that they think you can pull off. So here's, actually, I have a great example of this. And yeah. when Frank brought this up, I'm like, I have no idea what I'm gonna talk about right now. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the light bulb went off. And honestly, when so when I closed my first four family, I thought I was gonna close with a two or three K product. My mortgage broker actually coached me that that was not the right product to close with because of the private mortgage insurance. They had access to a Rhode Island housing product, which is a little bit of profanity in this room, but <clears throat> that Rhode Island product. So hold Rhode on, Island. Rhode Island housing is a nonprofit locally that's the housing authority for the state that can give discounted mortgages, et cetera. Correct, so at that time, they're offering a portfolio product, whereas if your credit score was above 700, it did require 5% uh, down versus the 3.5% down for an FHA, but you didn't have to pay private mortgage insurance, which saved me $200, close or a little bit over $200 per month. For how, how many so years did you have that mortgage, you figure? I had that mortgage for three years. But so, it could have been longer, and you were locked in for that for the whole I'm time. I'm sorry, three and a half years, if we're splitting hairs, yeah. right? Um, yeah, but it could have been locked in for a lot longer, um, but I, I moved into the owner-occupied paper. But when I went to that mortgage broker up front, I'm saying, okay, let, let me go this way. And they actually saved me money, right? And that's because they've put in the time to research the product. So when you show up as their prospective client, they can put you in the right vehicle. So basically, whenever you're using other people's time, you're taking a professional that has skills and you're paying a little bit extra money to use those skills. Yeah, absolutely. You know? So there, there's the value problem. All right, so another example, um, property inspector. Now, Jimmy might be able to walk through a house. And oh, this is huge. Absolutely huge. <laughs> huge. Jimmy so might be able to people. walk through a house and find all 300 different things that are wrong with it. But i got to be honest with you. When I walk through a house, do I have experience? Do I start to pick up things? Absolutely. But whenever I, um, I'm looking at a house, I always try to bring either a contractor or a full property inspector with me. I, so I would tell you that um, there are multiple great home inspectors out there, and I can't tell you the amount of investors that have called Lion to work with us that recently bought a property that did not use a home inspector. And honestly, that's absolutely foolish because in most cases, it's gonna cost you less than $1,000, and I can bet you that on most properties today, you're paying over $200,000. So you're gonna tell me for, you know, 50 basis points, half a percent, you're not willing to protect your asset. So I'll give you an example. We had a six unit on the um, Charles Street section of Providence, not on Charles Street, but that neighborhood. Yep. Um, and what happened was is we, sometimes if we're buying real steals, we don't use property inspectors. 
but especially if it's an off-market deal. Yeah, and if you know it's a steal, then go for it. <laughs> but this one, we were getting it for a great price, um, but we were able to negotiate an inspection. And uh, we walked through with a guy that has 50 years' experience in property inspections. Right. And uh, he was amazing. And uh, you could call, give him a nickname. He's the deal killer. And, see, uh, see, but here, here's no, the No, no, no. We were paying him. We wanted him to kill this deal if it was a bad deal. And this was a bad deal. He found active termites in the basement that were hidden. He so found, here's the big thing, though. It's not necessarily a deal killer because that that's kind of like profanity to real. It's like right? a money saver. So I would tell you <laughs> that the right home inspector is going to educate you, right? Absolutely. So in that scenario, if they educate you to, to find those termites... Now you can go back and renegotiate to say, oh, hey, we thought 80000 80, was a great price, but based on this termite, termite and sill damage, we need another 20 Gs off of that price. He, sh he showed us the termites. He showed us how the building, um, how the electrical was such a problem. He showed us so many plumbing issues. He gave us like a 150-page report with like 300 pictures. So what were you paying he, for there? What were we paying for? We were yeah. paying for his expertise. Right. And how do you gain his expertise? By learning and and experience, by just doing putting it. in the time. Yeah, you had to put right? in the time. So I don't know. I was I was hesitant about talking about this topic, and I told Frank this about other people's time. But legitimately, your dollars are trading for their time that they've put in to gain the experience, and that is tremendously valuable in your real estate investing career. When we talk about we talked about the three legged stool approach. You, um, you, you're bringing experience to the table, you're bringing time to the table, you're bringing money to the table. Yep. Okay? You don't have to be good at all three. You have to be, you have to be strong at one. Right. But you can work with the other two. You can buy the other two, whatever you need to do, you can make it happen. Right. Yeah. There you go. It, I couldn't believe it. it was so easy to walk away from that deal after that because we would have put in more than we were paying for the building just Jeez. to bring it. it they should have closed it down. It was not livable. Wow. You know, and after we, well, don't forget, this was an inspection. So we're talking to the tenants and everything else. And right. And then the tenants like, oh, yeah, we, we've, we can't get this uh, temperature above 63 degrees in the winter. It's like, what? Wow. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah, so these are all examples of other people's time and why it's so valuable. And people don't talk about this enough, but you really need to think about it. Right. So we hope that you guys enjoyed this podcast. And one, one idea that we're going to float by you before we close up here is that... Um, this past week, we actually locked in a location for our fall seminar. So we're going to host a seminar in the fall. It's going to be hosted on September, Saturday, September 14th. And we're going to help you essentially land that next deal. So we're going to bring a bunch of professionals into the room to help you get over whatever hurdles you're currently facing, to help you crush those conundrums and get you more comfortable in order to help you close that next deal. So that's going to be on Saturday, September 14th at the Crown Plaza in Warwick, Rhode Island. <clears throat> Details are going to be up soon. We're going to post it on Instagram and on the Facebook page. So if you guys don't follow us, uh, give us a like or follow us at The Cashflow Kings on Instagram and The Cashflow Kings on Facebook. Um, and we'll forward you guys the link in order to sign up for the seminar. We're really excited to help you guys out. And we hope you like the podcast today. Cheers to your success. The Casual Kings program is for basic entertainment purposes only. We do not give official legal, tax, or investment advice. Each person should consult their own advisors prior to making any financial decisions.